On today's show, the Atlanta Hawks are rolling right now after a win over the New York Knicks on this Friday evening. The Hawks have now won five games in a row, and the vibes are much improved as a result. We'll have all of what transpired during the game and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1394 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I'm your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Friday evening here in late January. And today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. They help you find the most qualified candidates that you want to talk to, and they help you to do it faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. And today's show, we'll be diving into what became a very nice win for the Atlanta Hawks at home against the Knicks, 139. Yes, 139 to 124 on this Friday. And I also would encourage you, before we even dive into the podcast, to make us your first listen at Locked on Hawks each and every day. Check us out across podcast platforms. Subscribe now, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Odyssey. And then we're also over on YouTube on the video side. So it's going to be really interesting to discuss this game because the Hawks' vibes have been really good in recent days. They came in winning the last four games in a row. And now this is the first five-game winning streak of the season. Atlanta now improves to 24-22 and 22 on the campaign. And really, it was an offensive extravaganza in this one, as you might expect by the score. But uh, honestly, it was back and forth. The Hawks got not, uh, defensively, it was kind of a roller coaster at times. For the most part, it was not great for Atlanta defensively. But in the fourth quarter, it was much better. And really, the game changed on a 20-4 to run in the fourth by the Hawks to open up what was already a one-point game and became a 17-point game. It was kind of cruise control from there for Atlanta. So play to get to on this one, but certainly a fun night at the office for the Hawks. This is the third game of the year between the Hawks and the Knicks. The Hawks now have a 2-1 lead in the season series. And honestly, the Hawks and Knicks could be battling in playoff positioning the rest of the way. In fact, they have the same, basically almost the same record right now. They're like they're a half game apart after this victory by Atlanta. So they're right there. And the Knicks have been playing pretty well this season. Uh, Injury-wise for Atlanta, it was a lot, kind of a, it, I would say, a period of uncertainty in this one. By the time the game actually started, the Hawks were at full strength again for the third time in a row. That hardly ever happens. Uh, Trey Young was on the injury report as questionable originally with the ankle issue that forced him to leave Wednesday's game. He was upgraded to probable and then ended up playing and playing quite well in this game. Bogdanovich was, uh, was questionable all the way through till the very, very end with knee soreness. Ended up playing... Uh, you know, obviously not, not his best work, but he was better in the fourth quarter. And we'll see if he uh, can sort of turn around and play again on Saturday. But obviously the knee's been bothering him off and on for a very long time at this point. And the Knicks were without Mitchell Robinson, which is a uh, he's not their most famous player by any means, but he's actually been their best plus minus guy this year. The Knicks are plus eight per hundred possessions with him, on, with him on the floor this year and minus one without him. So it's a notable loss for New York for sure. Uh, and that kind of maybe led to at least part of why the Hawks were favored by three and a half points. According to our friends that been online in this game, and that's you know, and part of that is the I think the Hawks in the market are seen as being slightly better than the Knicks, probably at least talent wise at full strength plus the home court, all that stuff. But uh, interestingly enough, the Hawks were able to cover this game, and they've been obviously playing quite well. This is one that I, I would not say it was a situation where the Hawks were in a must win. I saw some of that stuff coming in coming into the night. Um, the Hawks were the better team. I think the Hawks are still better than the Knicks. I kind of thought, thought that the entire time. But uh, definitely a nice taking care of business moment for the Hawks at a home game on regular rest and winning it, uh, really going away in the fourth quarter. So we'll get into the game now. 
Uh, the one change pregame was that Capella actually started this one. He didn't play a ton, I think in part because they blew the game open in the fourth quarter, and he played fine, but he was that was his first return to the starting lineup in this game. And uh, Nate did not re- reveal his minutes restriction, but I'm sure it was uh, modest with the back-to-back coming on Saturday. The Hawks, though, scored on their first eight possessions, setting the tone early and often that it was going to be an offensive smorgasbord for Atlanta in this game. They scored 18 points. On eight possessions, so that's more than two per, two, per, two per possession. Pretty easy buckets for the most part. A three by Collins, free throws by Trey. Uh, there was a nice handoff play by, from Capella to Hunter on the first possession of the game. And the first time the Hawks didn't score on the ninth possession, they got a steal right away in the backcourt and scored again. So it was pretty wild. The Hawks just kept scoring. Uh, unfortunately, the Knicks were scoring at a high level as well. The Hawks only up by two after all that because the Knicks made six of their first eight shots. They hit three threes, and they were really hot for the majority of this game as well. Both offenses were kind of ridiculous early on. It was 24 to 20 at the first mid-quarter timeout on pace for, you know, almost 200 points for the Hawks were at that point. Um, the Hawks were shooting well, so were the Knicks. Rotationally, I think part of this was because of the sort of reaction to the way the game was going. But the first sub was Aaron Holiday, and that was a surprise to everyone, including me, honestly. It felt like it was almost a result of Nate being frustrated by the defense and kind of just throwing Aaron out there to be an on-ball defender at that point. I know Hawks fans hated that, and every time they play Aaron Holiday, people don't get excited about that. I definitely understand, but it seemed like that was at least there was at least some rationale behind it. And by the way, second half they didn't play Aaron Holiday. They actually played only eight guys in the second half, which was uh, kind of what I've advocated for in re- recent days more with Jalen Johnson than Aaron Holiday. But I've been saying. Re- re- I would say repeatedly in the last few days that I think the best course of action is to expand the rotation to nine in the first half with Jalen Johnson. If he's not playing super well, or if you don't love the matchup, you can take him out in the second half. That's what happened in this game. But they also went even further in playing holiday more in the first half in the, on this way. Anyway. Um, rotationally though, Trey sat briefly, then returned in the first. When he came back, it was Bogey and Okongwu coming in for Capella. Jalen played the last like 90 seconds of the first quarter and went into the second quarter and was okay, I thought, for the most part, to make a three on his only shot attempt. And then Griffin came in over the second quarter, as he often does. I don't say this a lot recently, but I'll say it one more time now. Just because Griffin's not coming in first does not mean really anything. He still has a role in every game. He keep, I think the Hawks have intentionally paired him with the with the bench unit, um, and I'm not saying they ha- they have to do that. I think the Hawks probably should play him a little bit earlier than they actually have been, but it's been uh, I think at least a targeted, purposeful decision to hold AJ out until the second quarter, kind of have that start fresh at that point in time. Anyway, um, the shooting came crashing down actually for the Hawks after that super hot start. They were four of seventeen at one point over a stretch late in the first quarter, but that was their only bad shooting co- uh, stretch of the entire game, really. And uh, fortunately, they were able to kind of only be down by three points because uh, the defense was not great, but the Hawks still had a 135 offensive rating. It's really hard to have a 135 offensive rating in a quarter of any kind, especially when that quarter includes a four of 17 shooting stretch. That's absolutely insane. But the Hawks had six offensive rebounds and only one turnover in that first quarter. That, That definitely helped as well. The Knicks, though, had 38 points on 25 possessions. They shot 80% from the field in the first quarter of this game with 24 points in the paint. It was ridiculous. Now, I will say, defensively, the Hawks were not good. I'm going to say that probably again later on the podcast. The Hawks were not good defensively at all for the majority of the game until the fourth quarter. But I also will say the Knicks shot above their heads for a large portion of this game. Both can be true, and they both were true. In this one, the only saving grace, I think, was the Hawks forcing five turnovers in the first quarter, but it was crazy how hot the Knicks were for the majority of the first half. Um, in fact, Julius Randle, who had a pretty big game for New York in this one, he had 32 points. He missed four shots in the first 14 minutes of the game for New York, and the rest of the team had not missed 
They were 14 of 14 other than Randall in the first 14 minutes of the game. And then it kept going. The Knicks scored 20 points in about five minutes to open the the second quarter. At that point, again, they were shooting 80% from the field in the first 17 and a half minutes of this game. The Hawks had a 138 offensive rating, and they were down by seven in the second quarter. Just absolutely craziness. Um, It did stabilize a little bit from there, but it wasn't any better on defense. The Hawks were down by three at the break, and honestly, you can sort of see both sides here. On one hand, the Hawks were legitimately great on offense in the first half. So to be down at the halftime break is mildly frustrating, for sure. Or you could say the Hawks were so bad defensively in the first half that being down only three at halftime was kind of a miracle. I think both sides have some merit in that circumstance. But the offense, again, they had a 139 offensive rating in the first in the first half, eight offensive rebounds, three turnovers, 16 assists, just great numbers. Murray, Collins, and Trey all had at least 12 points in the first half. Didn't shoot great from three other than Collins, who made three threes in the first half. The rest of the team was two of 11, but that was kind of the only black mark on the offense. And then defensively, they allowed a 148 defensive rating in the first half. The Knicks shot 75% on twos. Just, I don't even know what to say about that. Obviously, particularly the issue that I thought there was defensively, and there were many of them, was the point of attack and stopping penetration. The Hawks were letting R.J. Barrett and Jalen Brunson and Emmanuel quickly get wherever they wanted to, basically, in the first half. And that makes life difficult on your back end. Obviously, you have multiple issues there with rotations and all that kind of stuff and contesting shots. And again, hats up to the Knicks for making a bunch of shots as well. But the real issue was the point of attack. And uh, it definitely stiffened as the game went along. And the Hawks threw in a zone in the fourth quarter, which we'll talk about later on. That was definitely effective at a good time. That was a good coaching move from Nate that was uh, certainly beneficial and probably, I would say, pivotal in winning this game down the stretch still you're not supposed to be losing at the halftime break when you're scoring that way but the Hawks were able to overcome that in the second half as we'll get into in a second before we do all that and talk about the big picture takeaways from this one as well as my individual breakdowns as we always do on the podcast first though it worked from our sponsors on today's show today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn jobs and as a small business owner or hiring manager your success in 2023 all depends on the team members that you surround yourself with and that's why you should check out LinkedIn jobs LinkedIn jobs helps you find the most qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles people that have the skills values and experiences to help you achieve your goals I've been using LinkedIn jobs for a while to hire in the past it's pretty an awesome resource for me it makes the entire hiring process easy and painless LinkedIn jobs also helps you qualify and quickly attract the qualified candidates to open to your open jobs with targeting tools and then make it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all in one platform. They go beyond the resume data by using insights from your job post, your company, and the millions of member profiles that they actually have on their site. Put your post in front of the most people possible and to find the most qualified candidates while doing it quickly and for free. We all have goals for the new year, of course, and having our people around us is very, very important. Making all that happen, so check out LinkedIn Jobs is a good idea. At this point, at Small Businesses, right, LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires against leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the most qualified candidates that you want to talk to, and they help you to do it faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnMBA. One more time, that is LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnMBA. Terms and conditions apply. All right, and we'll dive into the second half now. And the Hawks had two big runs in the second half. The one that I mentioned at the top of the podcast was the more pivotal one in my mind in the fourth quarter, but the Hawks also had a huge run in the third quarter, a 19-3 to push to begin the second half. And that put the Hawks up by 13 after they had been down by three at the break. Trey Young was phenomenal in that stretch. He had 12 of the first 19 points for the Hawks, including the first seven of the second half for Atlanta. He got fouled on a three. He was he had this crazy uh, hesitation, uh, ball fake um, you know, circus layup that was an awesome play. Uh, in addition to Trey in the offense, though, the defense got five consecutive stops. And in this game, that was a, a unicorn of sorts. And the Knicks didn't score for like three and a half minutes. 
and the Hawks were in good shape. Of course, that th- this time around, the Knicks had a counterpunch, and they ended up having a, a big 11-2 run right back with a four-point play by Randall. Uh, I will say a couple of big threes from DeAndre Hunter in that third quarter to kind of stay afloat. But the Knicks kept coming. They led, actually, in the final, ni- the final 90 seconds of the third quarter. Uh, Randall had 17 points in the third quarter. He was definitely uh, cooking in that period. Um, the Hawks were letting him get to his left hand, which was not what you want to do against Randall, for sure. He took advantage of that. But the Hawks, after all of that, were up by one at the end of the third, which honestly was a positive given the way that it all went. But after the start of the third quarter, that was probably a little bit frustrating for everybody involved. Uh, I will say the rotation did change in the third quarter in a more aggressive direction. Trey played the entire quarter because he was red hot. Usually he sits for you know a minute or two middle of the quarter, but because he was so good early in the third, they, they rode him. That was the right decision. There was no Aaron Holiday, no Jalen Johnson. They put AJ Griffin in a little bit earlier in the third quarter. Both teams were still scoring just a ridiculous amount, like about 1.4 points per, per trip down the floor. But offensively, the Hawks were still very, very good. And then uh, that's at the stage for the fourth quarter where the Hawks were honestly really, really good overall. And that really started early on in the fourth. So as usual, because Trey played the entire third quarter, they went to their second unit, but it was their modified second unit. Only playing eight guys in the second half. It was Murray, it was Griffin, it was Bogdanovich, Collins, and a Kongwu. So they had enough defensive personnel out there. When you throw in that a Collins and a Kongwu pairing in the front court, you have Murray at the point of attack. And then you had your offense first guys in Griffin and Bogey on the wings. And really, that was an awesome stretch overall. As good as Trey was in this game, as good as Capella was, and good, as good as Hunter was at times. That second unit was huge in that fourth quarter. It was a 20-4 to run to open up a 15-point lead. Uh, during that run, both Murray and Collins delivered the too-small gesture to the, <laughs> to the Knicks. There was a lot of uh, talking in this one. It seemed like a little bit of extra juice. I'm not sure if something happened during the course of the game or if there was just a you know, big game feel. It's Friday night, et cetera. Um, but the Hawks were definitely chirping in the second half of this one and uh, ended up pulling off the win so that everything was fine there. Uh, I thought the Hawks did a good job attacking with the Knicks playing without Randall and Brunson at the same time early in the fourth quarter. And then Murray really had it going. Uh, I think with eight minutes to go, he had like 27 and 10 already. So he was really, really huge in that third quarter. Sorry, in the early portion of the fourth quarter. Kong went a big stretch as well. A couple, a couple of buckets had a massive reverse dunk that made the rounds during the course of the game. And then defensively, it was their best stretch of the night by a lot. They played this zone that Nate talked about at the, at the end of the game. He said it, he thought it became a stop sign for the Knicks. That's, that's one of uh, Nate's favorite phrases. But basically, it means that the Knicks were hesitating and not attacking. And that means the Hawks were able to kind of get some flummoxed stops in there. You know, that it's not a great defensive lineup in terms of on paper. Now, they have, you know, three pretty good defenders in Murray, Collins, and Kongwu. AJ has been okay this year for a rookie. Bogey's been pretty bad. But they have enough. And they're pretty big, not at center, but they're pretty big everywhere else. You know, Murray's a pretty big point guard. AJ playing the two is big there. Bogey's normal three, three size at this point in time. Collins, big four, et cetera. So they were switchy. And they also were able to sort of execute that zone effectively. And again, the Knicks finally missed some shots, which is certainly helpful as well. And honestly, they missed, uh, yeah, nine of the first 10 in the fourth quarter. That was very helpful. It's a little thing, but also because of the back-to-back on Saturday, the extended run in the fourth quarter allowed the Hawks to keep Trey on the bench for another few minutes, which is probably good with regard to Saturday. Same thing with Hunter, who had a smaller workload in this game as well. It's a, it's a little thing, but it was certainly helpful. Uh, the Hawks did go into the uh, sort of the mid-quarter break up by 15 points with like five and a half minutes to go. They brought Trey and Hunter back, which is probably the right move at that point in time. Bogey stayed in the game, which I didn't love at the time, and I think it was probably because he was starting to get some rhythm. He had really struggled in the first two and a half, three quarters of this one, made a couple jump shots, and they wanted to ride that a little bit more, I felt like. 
It was probably already over at this stage, but the real dagger in my mind was the DeJounte Murray jump shot with about three minutes to go to go up by 19. And, uh, you know, the Knicks, did, they called back within 11 at one more point after that, but it was no real threat. There was a, uh, a dagger three. I think it was from Bogey at the very end of the game. And then they got the uh, the third unit in the game. So we actually got to see a few seconds of Frank Kaminsky, Tyrese Martin, and B. Krejci at the end. Uh, I will say no Derek Favors. Derek Favors' 10-day contract actually expires today. So the Hawks are able, if you want to know this, the Hawks are able, if they want to, and he agrees to it, to sign him to a second 10-day contract. But uh, nothing official at this point in time. But the first one is over, and it was over with no minutes from Derek Favors. There you go. Um, anyway, as for the game itself, obviously they closed this, they closed things out and won by 15 points. 139 points is crazy in any context. The Hawks scored at least 33 points in every quarter. So it wasn't like they had one huge barrage. The Hawks made shots, and they were really good and consistent all night long on offense. They had a 148 offensive rating. One more time, 148. The season leader in the NBA is like 117, and that's a very, very high number in the modern NBA. 148 is ludicrous. And by the way, the Knicks are pretty good defensively. They're not elite, especially without Robinson, but this is not a bad defense. Like you're, not, you're not playing the Kings. You're not playing the Rockets. Like You're playing a team that has a real defense who's trying to win, and they just scored at will all night long. Uh, Shooting-wise, 65% on twos in the game. That's obviously fantastic. 13-44 from three. Not a ton of volume, but 88% of the line is very helpful as well. 62 points in the paint. Is a good number, 27 assists and seven turnovers for Atlanta. That is an elite ratio by any description. Also had a 41% offensive rebound rate in the game. So the Hawks did a good job in the glass in this one. And uh, it was kind of a team effort. You know, Capella had four, Congo had four, one by Jalen, one by Bogdanovich, one by Aaron Holiday, uh, two by DeJounte. It was kind of, it was a team effort there, but some extra opportunities to sort of boost the possession battle for Atlanta. And uh, I'll stop here to just say this. In the five-game winning streak, the Hawks have been ridiculously good on offense. That number is the following. The Hawks have been scoring 126.2 points per 100 possessions in five games. Now, it's a five-game sample size. It's not, it's not huge. The Hawks shot the ball well in all five games, but it isn't only shooting. Like, the Hawks, I think, have a little bit unsustainable shooting. That was from my, from my friend Kevin Chenard, who poked fun at me for saying that too much. But I'm saying it again now. The Hawks do have a 63.9% true shooting in that sample. That is above their head for sure. But they're also really good like across the board. They're not turning the ball over. That's what they usually do, but they aren't in this, in, in this stretch. They're doing good work on the glass. They're just executing very well. And, uh, you know, shot making is certainly helpful, I think, especially with DeJounte, who's been really hot recently. But the Hawks offensively have been finally paying off what they should be. Like, it is still inexplicably bad even with all the questions that I've had about their shooting and their process and all that, that I kind of saw coming a little bit coming into the season. Still all of that. No one believes the Hawks should be a below average offense. And they, and they have been, even with this five game uh, stretch included, the Hawks are still below average in offense of rating for the season. That is ludicrous, but they've been finding it recently. Five games, 126 offensive rating. That is elite stuff. All right. To the defense. Now, overall, it was not good. A 135 defensive rating for the game. That's terrible, obviously. Um, it was much better in the fourth quarter. I think the zone in particular was effective. And, uh, you know, if you're going to pick a quarter to be good def- defensively, that's a good quarter to pick. Um, the Knicks did shoot very well in this one, I think probably above their heads as well. But the big thing, and I think one of the reasons the Hawks kind of low-key won this game, was the possession battle. So I often say this, and people kind of roll their eyes, but it's, re- it's really just true if you just think about it logically. The Hawks took... 17 more shots than the Knicks did in this game. The Knicks shot the ball better than the Hawks. 
and lost by, five, by 15 points. Like the Knicks were better from two. The Knicks were better from three. And they still lost this game by 15 points because the Hawks dominated the glass and they dominated the turnover battle. And if you do those things and at least break even on, at the free throw line, you have a lot more margin for error. The Hawks took 100 shots in this game. The Knicks, were, the Knicks took 83. And uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy to be outshot by your opponent, like by not a small amount, and won by 15 points. And it's because of all of the other stuff they did in this game. And then uh, defensive glass was very, very good as well, as I should have mentioned before, for the Hawks. So obviously a lot of positives that we'll get into at the end of the podcast as well. But with regard to the performance tonight, the Hawks just played great on offense, and they played one quarter of good defense in this one. And that was enough. Um, will there be nights where this is not going to be quite enough defensively? Definitely. But the Hawks, uh, you know, it's a great win. Uh, the Knicks are a pretty good, a pretty real, pretty good team. They're not like an elite team, but they're pretty good. And to win this game comfortably in the fourth quarter was very encouraging. We'll get into more of this in a second, as well as the individual breakdowns. But first, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories that go along with it, you really need to try a Built Bar right now. We just finished the holidays in recent days. I know one of my goals this year in 2023 is to eat a little bit healthier. And if you're anything like me, that's really all about taste that you want. And trying to eat healthy is difficult sometimes, but with Built Bar, it's really not difficult at all. It's a perfect option for you. With Built Healthy, is actually tasty as well. And they're so delicious that you won't even believe how healthy they are for you. Built Bars have 100% real chocolate on the outside. Yes, real chocolate on the outside. And they come with a ton of awesome flavors. And they taste like a candy bar, honestly. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar to go along with 17 grams of protein. And you don't have to wait around right now. You can get a, you can get a box right now today for a long time. I've been telling you to order your Built Bars at Built.com. And that's still an awesome option for you, for sure. But if you don't want to wait, you can go to a local Walmart or Sam's Club right now. That's right. Walk into the pharmacy section of a local Walmart and grab a box of Built Bars. That includes a 4 bar box of a personal favorite of mine, Cookies and Cream. Or if you have a Sam's closer to you, run in and get a 13 bar box right now at Sam's Club. Make sure you check out Built Bar today, no matter where you're looking, as well, you know, online at built.com, etc., versus the stores. It's all great, no matter what. Check out Built Bar, though. It's the best, play, best, best thing you can do to start off the new year right and eat healthy and eat tasty at the same time. Start the new year right with Built Bar. All right, and we'll dive in now to the individual player performances in this one. And yeah, 10 guys played for Atlanta, only eight in the second half, at least in terms of the uh, competitive portion of the game. Uh, Aaron Holiday played eight minutes in this one. He had five points on five shots. I think offensively, he definitely hurt them in the first half. No question about that. They were kind of inexplicably playing through him on offense. I think it would it was actually fine with me to try Aaron defensively because he is their best point of attack defender other than Hunter. But because they kind of negated that, by playing through him on offense, it didn't make a lot of sense there. So I think in the future, playing him in certain situations doesn't really bother me. I think the Hawks going a little bit deeper is fine. But when he's out there, you can't justify playing through him. Now, especially he played every minute that he played with either Trey or Jante. So just play through the other guy. That's kind of why I know, I know Aaron Holiday is point guard size, but he's more of a two, he's more of a two guard offensively, et cetera. So uh, anyway, that was kind of all I had on Hunter uh, on Holiday, I should say. Jalen played five minutes, made his only shot had a rebound. I think defensively he was not good. Like most guys weren't in this game, but um, I had no issue with him not playing the second half of this one. I do like that him. They at least tried him in the first half. That'd be, that'd be the plan that I would have moving forward. As I said, a lot in the last couple of days, I got to split more minutes. Uh, Griffin played 17 minutes, actually had no rebounds, no assists, no steals, no blocks, kind of a weird, uh, weird performance had three points on four shots. I think defensively he was not good in this one, but was plus 11 when he's on the floor. I thought AJ, like it wasn't like he was out of sorts. Totally. It was just that point of attack stuff. He was not alone by any means, but he was struggling there and uh, a quieter game for AJ overall. 
Bogey had a weird one. So in the fourth quarter, he kind of found it, made some jump shots. He ends up with 14 points on 12 shots, which is totally fine. He was 4-4 on twos in this game, had two assists, two rebounds. He was 2 of 8 from three, and I think he made his last two. So he was 0 of 6 at one point. With a, th- with a 2 of 8, he is, I believe, yeah, 9 of 43 from three in the last seven games. He did make some jump shots late in this game, kind of found it a little bit, but that is uh, an area of concern. I've never worried at all about Bogey making shots, and I still don't, but there's at least a question with the knee, and maybe there's some structural issues or whatever. Um, you know, He's not going to be able to shoot as well if he doesn't have his legs under him. That's kind of just the way that basketball works. So we'll see if that's a question moving forward, but good to see him get a couple to go down in the second half of this one. And then Hung was really good, I thought. Uh, 14 points, 7 rebounds, uh, 3 blocks for Onyeka. He had the big highlight dunk on the reverse, made uh, 6 or 7 shots. I thought that he, you know, played a, actually played a lot, and justifiably so. He kind of keyed that run, at least part of it, in the fourth quarter. And I thought that uh, it was good to see him still be engaged and locked in despite not starting. Look, Capella is a starting center. Everyone around the team acknowledges that. There was no, like, question about that. But Hung has been playing very well in recent days, and to have him go back to his normal role and still play at a high level here was good to see. As for the starters, Capella played uh, the, the fewest minutes, only 20, um, seven points, nine rebounds, was plus 15. I thought he looked, he thought he looked good. Um, you know, finishing around the rim, always kind of an adventure with, uh, with Capella at times, but I think, I think he was good overall. And, uh, you know, there you go. Uh, Hunter, 31 minutes, 20 points. He was 7-11 from the floor, 3 of 7 from 3. Thoughts about him a lot on yesterday's show. I'm like, I'm, 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 probably won't, I won't do all that again now, but I think uh, a lot of the boost has been shooting-related, but that's totally fine. He played good, de- he played good defense compared to, comparatively at times in this one. I thought in the first half he was struggling to keep R.J. Barrett in front of him, which is not great, but I thought that he at least made shots, a couple of big threes in the second half, so that's good to see overall from him. Uh, Collins actually had the, pl- the best plus-minus on the team at plus 25 in this one. 17 points, 9 rebounds a steal and a block for John on only eight shots. 17 points on eight shots is a pretty good ratio. He's th- he was three or four from three in this game. He's actually, I believe he's six of nine in the last two games from three. So maybe that's uh, turned the corner a little bit. I think he was uh, good for the most part. Uh, him him and Julius Randle have uh, had a sort of interesting battle against each other at times. And this one, Randle is a lot more like stout and lower to the ground than Collins is. Collins is a little bit more uh, athletic and finesseful than, uh, <laughs> not really a word, than Randle. But I thought that Collins held his own, played well in this game overall. And then Trey DeJounte were great again. And look, it's not a coincidence to me or anybody else, I don't think, that the Hawks as they've been winning these five games, have had great performances from their star guards because uh, a secret of why the Hawks weren't playing great on offense this year is that neither one of those guys was having a great season, and now they're both in, they're both playing well at the same time. So Trey had a more low-key game again, and that's, again, totally fine. I thought he was really good in this game. He did, make, he, he did, he did shoot one of seven from three, but and that's going to happen sometimes, but he was eight of 14 on twos. He was under control, getting to his floater. He got to the line eight times, made all eight, six assists, I thought he was engaged defensively. He's been pretty good defensively the last handful of games, which is really good to see from him overall. But I thought Trey, again, not a huge numbers game by his standards, but I think he's been playing under control and playing very well, and that includes tonight. Uh, And then Murray had a big game as well. 29 points, 12 assists, three steals, six rebounds. He was chirping by the end of this one, that's for sure. Uh, Didn't have a great three-point shooting game, one of four, but he's definitely been hot from mid-range in recent days. Murray, I think in particular, is probably uh, this hot streak is a little bit driven by some hot shooting, but as Tower Jones, front of the podcast, pointed out, Murray's been getting a lot, a little bit, I would say, a lot deeper on his drives, not getting all the way to the rim, but more like five foot floaters rather than eight foot floaters, that kind of thing. More under control, more control, and getting more separation, which is certainly leading to some better results. 
in the last four games, 28 and a half points, and he shot at least 56% in four straight games. So it's going to cool off like like it has been in the past, but I think Murray's uh, ascent has been very, very important in the Hawks winning these games in the last week or so. Um, so from here, like the Hawks are in great shape. Obviously, it's one game. The Hawks play again on Saturday. So listen to the show later on. Keep that in mind. But at the night, at the end of the night on Friday, the Hawks are only a half game out of sixth in the East. So after all of that, all of the, uh, I don't even know, the hand-wringing, however you want to say that, the Hawks are right there in the mix for avoiding the play-in. Um, obviously, they have work to do. And I know that I'm kind of in front of this on Twitter tonight, but there was a, a wave of people that were making fun of me or poking fun at me or yelling at me for being too positive, which is kind of funny. I'm, I'm never too positive. But now it's the same people that are saying I'm probably going to be too negative moving forward. No matter what, the Hawks are playing well right now, and they're right back where they probably should be overall. Now, I don't think that they're suddenly a top three team in the East or whatever, but the Hawks are playing the way they probably should have been playing all along. And that is very, very helpful. And the, the middle of the East not being great is going to help through that lens. So if the Hawks can keep this up, they'll be in good shape. Now, nothing's assured at, at, at any point, but the fact that they're already a half game behind sixth and uh, could be tied for sixth with a win on Saturday is uh, pretty impressive given how much they struggled at times this year. Um, the game on Saturday is a back-to-back, of course, for the Hawks. They play the Hornets at home. So no travel. That's nice. The Hornets, though, have a rest advantage. They haven't played since Wednesday. They'll, they'll be the fresher team. Um, it'll be interesting to see, uh, in my mind, if either Bogey or Capella end up playing on Saturday. The Hawks, uh, and under Nate, this is not going to be a surprise to anyone that's been paying close attention. The Hawks um, are not going to say anything about this until closer till they have to announce injury report. So, you know, it is what it is. But with Capella coming back from injury and Bogey definitely battling the knee to the point where he didn't look great physically in, in the game tonight, I would not be surprised if either one of them or both of them did not play on Saturday. We'll see. But on the Hornets side, they have some injuries as well. Uh, Cody Martin is doubtful to play. Kelly Oubre is out. Um, and LaMelo Ball, most importantly, is listed as doubtful with um, an ankle and wrist issue. So it's possible the Hornets are very shorthanded in the game on Saturday, despite their rest advantage over the Hawks in that spot. Um, it's also worth noting the Hornets are very bad. They're 12 and 34 this year. They are in the bottom five in offense and the bottom five in defense. So pretty bad stuff there. I will also say the Hornets went into Atlanta in October and beat the tar out of the Hawks. They beat them very, very badly in that game. So I would imagine Nate McMillan and his coaching staff will be showing that film and just reminding casually the Hawks that this team that they're definitely better than came in and beat them pretty badly the last time in, in Atlanta in October. Uh, Trey gave the Hornets some credit from the podium tonight as well. I'm sure they're, they're going to all keep that in mind. But, you know, it's human nature to kind of let down a little bit. But this is a game that the Hawks should win. I'm looking at the, uh, at the betting numbers right now, um, obviously with some uncertainty about the injury reports and all that. But the Hawks are going to be favored by a decent amount, even with the back-to-back. Yeah, right now they are favored by eight and a half points at Bet Online. So that tells you, even with a rest disadvantage, that the Hawks are much better than the, than the Hornets and the injury stuff, et cetera. So uh, an opportunity there for the Hawks to win a sixth straight game. Nothing is ever assured in the NBA. Keep that in mind. But I wouldn't blame anybody for being pretty confident about that one. If that were, uh, if the Hawks show up and play the way they did tonight or the way they've done at any point in this winning streak, they'll be winning if they are able to do that. We'll, we'll see uh, a day from now. So we'll have a full coverage of that game as well of Hawks Hornets on Saturday night um, in this space. So please subscribe to the podcast. Um, obviously, the vibes are great right now. Uh, you know, the, the off court stuff still lingers, the deadline's still left three weeks away. I did some mailbag questions and some uh, big picture stuff last night on the show. So I definitely encourage you to listen to all of that. This is the fifth show of the week. We'll have another show tomorrow. So we've been very busy on the podcast and please subscribe to the show. 
across podcast platforms, auto download, all that fun stuff. Follow the show on Twitter at Lots on Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. I thank you very much for listening on this Friday into Saturday, and we'll see you after the game on Saturday.